Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Road to Revolution, my journey with Linkin Park. Um, if you haven't listened to episode one, I'm not exactly sure how you would have gotten here to episode two, but uh, this is the show where I'm going to talk about all my stories and experiences of seeing Linkin Park over the years. Um, I've been lucky enough to see them 34 times since uh, November of 2000, and as of October of last year, uh, 2017, I sit at 34. Um, so last episode, we talked about the first show I ever went to, which was November 10th, 2000 at Roseland Ballroom in New York. They opened for POD. Um, and tonight's episode, or today, um, recording it tonight, so whenever you listen, it's fine. Um, today's episode is going to be about the second Lincoln Park show I ever went to, which was also at the Roseland Ballroom in New York City. Um, you're going to see a trend. A lot of these are going to be in the Northeast until a certain point, and then it's going to be all over the place. But uh, yeah, second show ever for me seeing Lincoln Park, uh, February the 21st, 2001. Uh, it was at the Roseland Ballroom in New York City. Um, but before we get to the show itself and the night there and uh, all the fun stuff that happened, I want to talk about the, the road leading up to it because this one um, was a bit of a, a struggle. Um, when they first announced this tour, it was Lincoln Park's first major headlining tour, Um and they were booking smaller venues, smaller compared to Roseland, at least. Um, when they last played in New York, they played Roseland opening for POD. And that made sense. POD was a pretty decently uh, big band at the time. And Roseland was like a 3,000-person venue, I think. I could be very wrong about that. But it was a, it was a good-sized venue. Uh, held a lot of people. And... You know, Lincoln Park opened there for POD. Now, for this one, for their headlining tour, they were originally announced to play Irving Plaza, which is a 1,000 to 1,500-person venue. Um, it's fairly small compared to other New York venues, but a great place. I've seen a bunch of great shows there over the years, um, but never Lincoln Park, as you will hear now. Um, originally, they announced they would be playing Lincoln um, Irving Plaza, uh, for the New York stop on this tour. And then they sold that out pretty quick. Um, and I was kind of shattered. I, I was coming off the high of seeing them in November. And this is only a few months later, um, three or I think three months later. And I was like, I need to, you know, they're doing a headlining tour. Yes. Done. I got to go to this show. So I start looking on eBay and, we didn't have StubHub then. Uh, there was some ticket broker sites or t ticket broker places you can call. It might have been Tickets Now or something. Um, but you can call them, and they, it would be resale prices similar to what you would see on StubHub now. And I, I, I kept calling and saying, hey, do you guys have um, Lincoln Park at Irving Plaza? I said, no, no, we don't have anything. That one's pretty hard to come by. I said, okay, okay. So I still had no luck, no no tickets, no net, nothing. And then one day after school, um, in my high school, we had like a, a computer lab, which had like six computers that you can use um, either before the day starts or at the end of the day. Like you use them to check your email, um, do research for homework. You could just go, go on some websites. Um, I know my school made a huge deal about this. They had a T1 line. It was super fast. But 
in hindsight, what good did that do us? Not like they were letting us download movies or anything. Um, so, uh, well, at that point, I, I weren't really downloading movies. That would be in the Napster era, I guess. So, but they sure as hell weren't letting us use Napster on the T1 school computers. Um, but end of uh, end of the day, I want to say it was either December or or maybe January. Um, it was either late December or early January, and I after school go on the uh, the computers in the lab, and I, I'd like a routine when I went in there. I'd go on the K Rock New York website um, and go to their concert calendar to see if anything new got uh, loaded up. Um, I, there was also a rock website I would go to called the PRP, which I think was called the Pimp Rock Palace or something. And I would go to them pretty frequently because that, that's where I'd find out all my new music news about all the bands I liked and any new tours that were coming around. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was the K-Rock website that I went on and uh, on their concert calendar, you know, the show that had been there for weeks and said sold out was still there. But now it said um, moving to Roseland Ballroom uh, due to popular demand. And I lost my mind. I was like, oh my God, this is my chance. And I went and looked and they said, uh, tickets will, uh, new tickets will go on sale. I think it was the next day or within the next couple of days. So um, I, I think it was the next day. So I went through the whole next day and I went and talked to my dad because I was like, 14 at the time. So I didn't have a credit card or anything. And I was like, dad, I need, I need your credit card. I need it. Cause I'm going to be at school. I won't have time to get to, um, I think it was the whiz, um, was the local place where you can go buy tickets. There was one, maybe like two train stops away from my high school. Um, which is a very old, old, um, electronic store. Uh, I don't know if they ever branched out of New York, but it was called the whiz. Um, and their whole thing was nobody beats the whiz. That was their tagline. And they had a Ticketmaster outlet in the store. So you can go there and buy your tickets in person and usually have a better shot at getting good seats. If it was like an arena or getting tickets quick, if they were going to sell out. So they were a good shot for like the Lodo shows that I had mentioned in the last episode or anything in a small venue that you knew you wanted to get tickets for ASAP. But I didn't have time to get over there. So dad, graciously gave me his credit card, which giving that to a 14 year old boy was a terrible move, but, uh, it worked out that day. Thank God. Um, next day, same deal as the, uh, the day before I run into the computer lab. Lucky there's a computer open, jump right on. Now tickets have probably been on sale now for maybe a few hours. Cause you know, there was no, you couldn't use those computers during school time. Like once the first bell rang to the last bell rang, no, that, that computer lab was off limits. I think they actually even might've used it for classes. So I was like, I, it's my only chance. I run over there, get on the computer, pull up Ticketmaster, and grab, I think like five tickets. I think, uh, with me to that show was the guy, Mike, um, who took us to the show. Um, and uh, his friend Eddie, uh, and then my friends Anthony and Anthony, who uh, were better known by their nicknames Smitty and Narell. <laughs> um, and I, I grabbed like five tickets, and I was like, "All right, done." Clicked everything, submitted. Whew, all right, that struggle was over. I got my tickets, and now, now the wait was going on, and in 
high school, I wasn't the greatest student. Like when I was in grade school, I was pretty smart comparatively, I guess. Um, I was in the beta club or the beta society, which was like for all the smart kids. Uh, but once I found music and guitars and, and, and got into high school, that was it. Like I, I was like, I'm fine doing the, the average. Like I don't need to do the honor society stuff. I don't, maybe it's cause I thought I was too cool, which I definitely was not cool, but uh, you know, I you know, would fail a thing or two here or there. And because of that, I was grounded. Um, but uh, the Lincoln Park show luckily fell on a Wednesday, which normally would be bad news. I wouldn't be able to go on a Wednesday. Parent, uh, my mom was very, very strict. No concerts on school nights. I was already not doing super well in school. So if you throw in a late night concert, they just wouldn't have it. But I went to a Catholic school and we would have President's Week off for Catholic Schools Week. And with that uh, would come like a full week off. And uh, my parents split when I was super duper young. So um, anytime that I have an extended period of time off, usually I would go to my dad's house. Um, So my dad knew about the concert because he had bought the tickets. My mom didn't know. And I thought, even if I'm grounded, if she doesn't know I'm going, I'm still going to go to my dad's anyway. So I think I can spin this. Um, and up until after, I don't think my mom knew uh, that that concert happened, or at least that I was going, because uh, I distinctly remember it was right around the time that uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. had died uh, in that wreck at Daytona 500. Um, and so it was close. It was like maybe the week after, a couple of days after. But I remember that happened. And then I went to my dad's house for the whole week to hang out with him and spend some time with family. And then suddenly it was the day. It was Wednesday. Um, or it might have been Tuesday. But whatever it was, it was, it was it, the 21st had arrived. And I was losing my mind. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. Now, this was this was the next concert period for me after the POD Lincoln park show from November. So I hadn't been to one since then. So I was like losing my mind. I was so excited. And now we get to the day and, uh, the whole day I'm just like, when are we going? When are we going? And like, it's not till later, calm down. Like you got the whole day, just relax, hang out with your friends, you know, relax. Finally, it's time to go leave. We all pile into the car, drive into the city. Uh, it is freezing outside. February in New York City. I don't know if you have ever been, but it is absolutely freezing. But uh, so we wait in the very long line outside Roseland, which I uh, didn't mention on the last episode. Roseland has since closed, which is a bummer because I I, uh, I did see Lincoln Park there quite a number of times, as well as a bunch of other great bands. I saw tons of great shows there. So the fact that that venue's gone uh, kind of bums me out a little. Um, but you know, there's change in progress. So you got to deal with it, I guess. But we're in line. It's freezing. We finally make our way inside the venue. I am so excited. Um, Now, opening that show was a band I had no idea really anything about at that time. A friend of mine was like, oh, these guys are cool. They do a Michael Jackson cover. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll know one song then because, you know, I know Michael Jackson. Um, And that band was Alien Ant Farm. And he was right. They, they, They covered Smooth Criminal, as most people know Alien Ant Farm for. And I was like, man, these guys are awesome. And their bassist is completely out of his mind. Um, 
And I saw them like maybe three, four years ago, and their bassist is still one of the best hype men in the history of people performing on stage. Like he's an amazing bassist, but he's also just like, if you're not hyped as hell when that show is over, whether they're opening or headlining, I don't know what to tell you because they are just amazing. Um, oh, he is amazing. Uh, they're good. But they, they opened and I was like, oh, those guys are pretty good. It's a good one, good way to start the night. And then um, direct support right after them leading up to um, Lincoln Park was Taproot. And I had been a fan of Taproot for a little bit now. Um, I had their first album I got a couple months before. And I was like, man, these guys are great. And then seeing them live, well, man, just blew me away. They were awesome. Um, I, I think I, even though I took a lot of influence playing guitar off of you know, the guys that made me want to play guitar who were um, Head and Monkey from Corn and Wes from Limp Bizkit. Um, I think the person that I took some of the most inspiration from in, in terms of style was um, Mike DeWolf from um, Taproot. I, I listened to stuff I recorded with my old band or even stuff I just made by myself just to mess around. And I hear that same style. I even had a seven string for a while and like that stuff, you could hear a lot of taproot influence in that. Um, so they were, a, they were a big thing for me and I'd seen them a handful of times after that throughout the years, but that was the first time and they were awesome. Um, but you know, you could have had anyone open up that show. Wouldn't have mattered. Uh, I was there for, for one reason and one reason only. And that was Lincoln park who, uh, blew me away once again. Um, this time, they kind of surprised me because back in that that time era, uh, time period, there was you know Napster was you know still whatever it was. It wasn't very powerful. You know, trying to find certain things was tough. And Hybrid Theory had already come out at that point, so I found that album on you know on disc at the store uh, pretty easily. So I, I was like, all right, well I have all their songs. I'm good. This show is going to be you know I know all the songs. It's very rare that I go to a concert and I know every single song they're going to play. And I was wrong. Um, that This show was the one that opened my eyes up and said, hey, they have songs from before they were Linkin Park that they are still playing. And I was like, oh my God, I, I need to find these somehow. I don't know how, but I need to find them. But speaking of the songs, uh, let's go through the set list. Um, almost double the size of uh, – the set list is almost double from the last show before this, the – POD tour. Um, this one was 13 songs uh, and ended up being um, obviously the whole, um, I think the whole album. Let's see. Um, you got, uh, yeah, the whole album plus two songs from before uh, they were Linkin Park. So uh, they opened with With You, which that bass line alone just makes for a great opening track. Like that's, you know, you hear that baseline you're like oh man this is this is it like the lights are going on and off and freaking out and the crowd's going nuts and and then chester comes out with that scream when with you starts and you're just like yep this night's gonna be amazing uh then they roll into runaway uh paper cut uh by myself uh and then into points of authority and it's at that point they jump into the first song that i didn't know um Yet, I should say, because I've gone on to know this song very, very, very well over the years. Um, but they played High Voltage, and I was totally floored. I was like, what is this? Uh, this is another mic, you know, a mic-centric song that I didn't know existed. 
Um, and at that point when we were younger, um, my friend Smitty and I, um, we would uh, just throw albums on and grab my guitar or grab a, a remote control to pretend it's a microphone and we would uh, just jam out, uh, jumping around my basement, um, pretending we were in the band. And uh, he gravitated towards the Chester parts because uh, he tried to look like Chester quite a bit. Um, so he had the bleach blonde hair. He was one of the skinniest dudes I've ever met. Um, you know, if you put the Chester tattoos on him, you'd have a Chester at, you know, 15 years old. So I, with him gravitating towards the Chester parts, I gravitated towards the Mike parts. And the fact that I found a song here at this show that was Mike centric that I didn't know, I was like, Oh my God, there's another one. And we were both just, floored by this we were like we got to find this song we got to throw this in the our, our jam list we got to do it uh after high voltage they go into crawling uh and then pushing me away and then the other song uh that's not on the album uh and the song we're hearing for the first time is end one uh, now this one's more of a chester centric one for those who don't know and we were just like oh my god there's more there are more songs we don't know like there is more lincoln park out there than the 12 songs we have heard on the album. So that was awesome. Cause it was almost like a, like a little gift saying, Hey, we know you love this album and you're at this show, but when you go home, you have some, some homework to do because you might be able to find these tracks and then you got new music from your favorite band. Uh, after end one, they go into in the end and then a place for my head, which will never, ever, ever cease to amaze me how great it is live. And then forgotten, which is also the way to describe this song when it comes to playing it live because um, it's been years since I've heard them play this song live. Um, but this is one of my favorite songs off of Hybrid Theory for a long time. Um, and seeing, being, being able to have seen it live a couple of times makes me happy because it's just a great song. It's, it's a fun song. It's got a lot of bounce to it. So the fact that they were playing it live at this point, but then again, they didn't have a choice. Uh, They're headlining their own tour. And if you're headlining and you got a 12 song, you know, 36, 38 minute album. Yeah. You got to play all of it. (laughs) Um, uh, After forgotten, they go into their closer, which to the shock of no one is one step closer. Um, And it's a good set. It's really, really good. Um, You know, flies by because it's just so much fun and so good. Um, And I remember, Uh, at that show, Mike jumped into the crowd and I was like, Whoa, I didn't know they could do that. Um, at least I, I'd never seen that at a show I was at. Um, I mean, polar opposite, just a few months earlier, I saw Limp Biscuit at Hammerstein ballroom and there was a steel cage on the front of the stage. So like, forget jumping into the crowd. Like you, you couldn't get up on that stage if you wanted to. So the fact that Mike was just like jumping into the crowd and going nuts, it was awesome. Um, I remember like a month or so after this show, I had found, uh, through a friend of mine, a friend of mine said, Hey, I watched, uh, I watched that Limp Bizkit show we went to, uh, out at the, the Meadowlands back in October. I said, how, how'd you watch it? He said, Oh, if you go on eBay, uh, you could find them on, on videotape. I was like, people can film the concerts. He goes, Oh, people do. And I went on eBay and I found, VHS tapes of the first, well, the first show, Corn. I ever went to. I found that show. I found um, 
Limp Biscuit, uh, Papa Roach, and Eminem out in Jersey. Uh, I found um, the Lincoln Park show from November at Roseland, and I found the Lincoln Park show, uh, this one here, the February show. So I had all those on VHS, and I would watch them all the time. And it was awesome. It was like the, the greatest thing. I had to relive these nights. And uh, while it would have been cool to see myself on these, I wasn't anywhere near where the the angle of where the camera was pointed. So uh, I didn't see myself. It didn't matter. Like I had these, and I could relive them anytime I want. Um, so that was kind of cool. Like I found all these. I had my own little bootleg VHS collection of all my shows. And at that point in my life, I said, oh, it would be so cool if I can find – I had like two little things I wanted to do. I wanted to buy a tour T-shirt at every show I go to, which in hindsight, it, it obviously didn't pan out. Because if I did, I would just be overrun with T-shirts. I just wouldn't be able to live because there would be T-shirts everywhere in my house. Uh, the other thing was I wanted to try to get all or if not all, as many as I could of – the shows on VHS, like if people were filming them, I, I wanted it, you know, to to have for for my own keeping. Whether it's to watch them later or to show friends or just to have them, so I can look back on them anytime. Um, so I, I was able to get a bunch of those, but in hindsight, I would also be overrun with VHS tapes now. Um, well, not currently because VHS is a very long since dead format, but. This night was the very first time that I met anyone from Lincoln Park. And I, I'm still amazed at how nice they were. Um, I shouldn't be. I've met them a, a lot. And I've had amazing experiences with them that I'll never forget. But I, it still floors me how nice they are because they don't have to be. You know, so many people can just be a celebrity and say, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, I don't have to sign for people. I don't have to come out and sign autographs. It's cold outside. I don't got to take pictures. But they did. Um, not everybody. I remember somebody saying that Brad was sick, uh, so he didn't come out. And um, Chester and Rob came out when we were there. Now, the other guys might have come out, but it was super cold. So after we met Chester and Rob, we were all like, you know what? We're happy. This is good. Um, but Chester and Rob came out and they signed our tickets and this was 2001 and nobody had a camera with them at all times. And I, I don't even know if we had cell phones at this show yet, maybe. Um, so camera phones were out of the deal. So, um, no pictures from that show, but, um, I'm Chester was one of the nicest people I'd ever met. And he reaffirmed that at almost every show over the next 17 years following this. Um, or 16 years. Um, and I'll talk more about those other stories as they happen for each episode. But uh, it was freezing outside. He didn't have to talk to any of us. And he came out and he was super nice and he signed our tickets and he was asking us, do we like the show? And um, just, you know, talking to us like people, not just, you know, moving down this, an assembly line of signing, you know, signing stuff and moving, signing and moving. Like he would talk to us, uh, which I thought was the coolest thing. Um, and Rob did too. Um, we were just like, this is awesome. Uh, just completely made our night. Um, and that was it. That was show number two. Um, we headed back in the car, went back to Jersey and, um, I don't think we fell asleep that night. Um, Smitty and Narelle stayed over and there was no way we fell asleep. Uh, at least not until the sun came up. 
because uh, a we were teenage boys b we were riding the high of just meeting some of our you know two guys from our favorite band ever and of how good the show was um so we was like bouncing off the walls the whole night um i don't know how my dad uh dealt with us um but that whole night was awesome um uh, and that's all i got for uh, for episode two um I want to talk about a few things before we we close it out. Um, you might be wondering how are you getting these set lists uh, with such accu- accuracy, um, and that is all thanks to the awesome dudes over at LPLive.net. Um, Mark and his team over there are just amazing. They've built this amazing database of set lists and ticket stubs and information and notes and and little like trivia bits about certain shows dating back to pre Lincoln park days, dating back to zero and hybrid theory. Um, I think there's even stuff from gray days and the tasty snacks and all sorts of stuff. Like there's tons of information on there. Like I've never seen a fan site kill it the way they do. Um, so they've been a huge help whether they know it or not. Cause I've been sourcing my info in terms of set lists and, um, any other bits of trivia that I might have to throw in that I don't remember myself. Um, so they're being a huge help. Um, and maybe some point way down the line, um, I think I, for the shows at first, I just want to want them to just be me talking about my stories. But uh, down the line after, I kind of want to open it up and bring other people on, um, You know, maybe some of the guys from LP Live, um, maybe Smitty or Sal or uh, – a bunch of people that I would go to Lincoln Park shows with, um, and then we can talk about more stories with them. Um, but for the first for the first pass of all these shows, I wanna I just wanna kind of focus on my memory of it and and try to preserve those as I remember them, and then we'll bring other people in uh, down the line. Um, so that's my plan right now. Um, but I did want to thank LP Live. Um, I also want to thank you. A couple of people from Reddit um, chimed in and said they listened and said they liked it, which is really really cool. Um, I, I, a couple of people messaged me on Facebook and on on Reddit saying they they were a fan and to keep going. So I definitely will. Um, and to be honest, I was probably going to keep doing it anyway because it's fun just telling these stories to hear them again. Um, even if nobody listened, I didn't wouldn't really care. Um, I just like telling these stories. Um, I have a friend of mine. Uh, his name's Casey. Who. He's like, I've heard tons of your Lincoln Park stories, but I guarantee over 34 shows, there's tons of stories I don't know. So he's he said uh, he's going to listen to all of them, and he looks forward to hearing more. So uh, thanks, uh, Casey, and thanks, everybody, for supporting me so far. Um, but that is going to do it. I think, uh, you know, coming up under 30 minutes, I think that's a good place to wrap it for episode two. Um, I'm going to try not to go super long on most of them. A couple of shows are going to be unavoidable because there's some shows that are huge, huge moments that I have to talk a long time about. But for this one, uh, I think 30 minutes is a good place to stop. So uh, I thank you so much for listening, um, and that'll do it. My name is Billy, and this has been my Road to Revolution.